Man, how many are ready for an ordination service? Make some noise. I know many of you have come for that. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Good to have everybody here. I had them put this up here. Sorry if you couldn't see it during the announcements. But I want to do uh, about three things with you. Number one, I want to preach on discipleship. Number two, I want to do the ordination. And then number three, I'm going to preach another message on Ephesians. We're going to hopefully do that all within the next hour. Can I hear an amen? I want to share with you my heart as they're putting up the scripture, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, because this is probably the most significant thing I ever do as a pastor. And the problem with that is, is I have to do two things here today. Number one, I need to celebrate those who are graduating today. I need their family and friends to understand how much I appreciate them. Then I need to let the the ones who are not in discipleship know how meaningless their attendance is to this church. So I have to do two things at the same time. So please be patient with me, those of you who have done this. But I need everybody to understand this. I cannot tell you in words what it's like to be a pastor that does discipleship. From day one, when my wife and I started this church, we told people what we were going to do. Day one, announcement number one was we are going to love God and love people. Jesus said the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was day one. Everybody say day one. The moment after we said that, we said we have a strategy to make disciples. That was Jesus' last words, the greatest thing he gave us. It's called the Great Commission, and we are going to do it this way. And We called it Connect, Mentor, Send. It's not in the Bible. didn't have to be word for word. It, it doesn't matter. The books, all the things that I wrote, that did not matter. But here was our point. We are going to connect you to Jesus. Everybody look up at me, please. All this running around to all these churches is over. Stops here. Number two, we're going to mentor you to live like Jesus. All this hypocrisy and nonsense in the church, all this I want to help out and give my used used clothes and feel good and do something in the nursery, that stops here. And then number three, we're going to send you out to be what Jesus said you were supposed to be. If you don't want to do that, there are a hundred other churches with tap dancing preachers that will let you give your used clothes, they will let you volunteer in the nursery, and they will let you lead a Bible study. That's not what we're doing here. America is backslidden. Is that shocking to anybody? America is backslidden. They're in sin. They're in sin. We just had a famous pastor. Listen to me. I got two letters. Well, I, I can't go too much into depth because I don't ever want to embarrass people. I'm not about naming names. I'm not a messy preacher. But I get letters all the time about people leaving the church because what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you as many details as I can in just a minute. My estimation, I don't know, my estimation with my preaching gift, my organizational gift, the people I can organize with worship, we would have around 5,000 right now with the time I've been passing. That's my guess. I could be as big as 10,000, 20,000, I don't know. But I know at least five would have been crossed probably within the last couple of years. Easily, easily. Stephen Furtick, Carl Lentz, all of these guys. I preach just as good, if not better. Our worship band on this little puny stage is just as good, if not better. Listen to me. I get people all the time telling me that I love your preaching. I love your worship. I love this, but I'm leaving your church. Why? 
Because I was told I had to do discipleship before I entered into the nursery and started helping out. That's not the way it was at my other church. Well, listen to me. Your other church might have been backslidden, A. And B, your other church might have been disobedient, C. I don't care. I don't give a rip what you did at your other church. I don't care. I left a church that looked just like yours to do this in my house. And if I didn't want to do this, I could go to your church, go get paid. To, I already figured out how much I'm worth right now in the church world. I'm midway through my doctorate. That's 100 k right there if I get hired anywhere. I can also teach on the side. That's 100 k at a university right now if I were to work at Moody. 100 k 75 to 100 k with my degree. That's 200 Travel and preach once or twice a month. Get two to 3000 a gig. Some of my friends get 10000 a gig. That's another 50 a year, quarter of a milli right now to sell out. Are you listening to me? I don't care what they do. Number one, they might be backslidden. Number two, they're just being disobedient. And number three, I don't give a rip. I don't care. Do you understand? This is what I care about. Now, this is supposed to be a happy day. That's why I put a bow tie on. But I got to rebuke some of you and on the online, just let it go down in history. Stop sending me letters. This, listen, this letter came in. I've been serving the Lord all these years. I came to your church. We love your preaching. I was told I had to go through the 101. I was told I had to do discipleship. That's just not what I want to do. I just want, just don't even send it to I don't care. I don't care who you were at that other church. That other pastor could be sleeping with the secretary, and you could be hooked on pornography. You could be just as backslidden as everybody else I met. I know people struggle with their Christianity because I see it in this church. So I'm not here to tap dats for you. I'm here to do this. You all listening to me? I want our church to be clear. Everybody listen to me. My preaching, this worship band, this church, these lights are all for one thing to do this. That's it. That is it. That's why I talk like this, because I have no fear, because those who God has brought here to be disciples will be here next week. You who are not here, go down the church to the, the next, down the road. That's fine. I have no problem with you. I will see you in heaven. We will give an account. Probably your pastor is afraid of me because he won't sit down with me. Most of the pastors here will not sit down with me. I just talked to one the other day. They do not want to be honest with where they are in this. And I'm not even talking about clothesline preaching. What I mean by clothesline preaching is the Bible is not enough. We start making up laws, you know, like the women have to do this. They can't cut their hair, this and that. I'm one of the most relaxed people you'll ever meet. I've kicked back and drinking wine and beer with one of the guys getting the deaconship right now. I'm one of the most chill guys because if Jesus made wine at the party, why don't pastor get some wine at the party. So I'm not here to be legalistic. I'm not here to be legal. I'm not here to make up rules. I'm talking basic Christian stuff. They just had Carl Lentz of Hillsong. We all love singing their songs. Hillsong Church on The View. And they asked him if abortion was a sin, and he couldn't even say yes or no. And we wonder why we so messed up in America right now. All my African-American folk right now, you wonder why the black church can't help you because they got three girlfriends. That's why they can't. The white pastor, Carl Lentz, can't help you because he's a coward and a chicken. The Latinos going down one of the way, you know, gringo or African-American, sorry to be that way. But it's like they follow one of the trends coming into the nation. I can't speak about Latin American countries. I don't know. But I see some Latinos trying to tap dance with the white boys getting all their books sold with Joe Lowstein. And then I follow, see some of them following the African-American culture down the way of pimping behind the pulpit. 
Listen to me. The reason why there's no social justice in America is because the church is backslidden. The reason why there's no harmony among the races is because we're backslidden. The reason why we still have an abortion and most of them claiming Christ is because they're backslidden. It's because we don't do this. You want me to come up here and just tell a message that doesn't impact your life. Listen to me. We have 152 assigned disciples in this church, 72 in the 101, 34 in the 201, 28 deacons, 18 elders. That means I have 46 people. Listen to me. I have 46 people who have done this with me over the last 12 years. 46. I am believing God for 100,000. I didn't say 100,000 attendees. I'm talking 100,000 disciples. Now, everybody, ask yourself this one question. What in God's name does this passage mean unless it means what I'm talking about right now? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm going to draw this out on the board because I am self-aware. Somebody say he is self-aware. I know it's awkward right now. I know it's uncomfortable, but I'm still wearing a pink bow tie because it's going to be happy for these family members here. But I'm going to show you I'm so self-aware. I am not ignorant. I have my, my, doctoral, minister, my doctoral studies are in uh, the D-Men, the doctorate of ministry, my master's degree, my over 100 hours of master's studies is in Christian education. This is what I do for a living. There are two choices right now. A or B, I'm not even going to put C, those who are just having the girlfriends, those who are sinning, those who have just thrown away whatever this means to them is something totally opposite of the Bible. I'm not even talking about that. I'm going to give you the best B I know, the best B I know right now. These are my friends. Somebody say, his friends. These are my friends who I know love Jesus, read their Bible, pray, help the hurting. I could name some of their names even in the city, and you would say, okay, these, these guys are good. Okay, these guys are going to heaven. People in their church are going to heaven. This is how they say it. They say, Pastor, it is way too much to ever think everybody's going to do this kind of stuff right here. Our best goal is to get 20%. This is called the Pareto Principle of Leadership. If we can get 20% of them to go along with it, the other 80% will be part of what we get our 20% from. This 80% will be our volunteer base. They'll be where we get our shekels and finances from, and they will support what we're doing. And this 20% here will be all of our leadership. This will be all the people that we know uh, that can lead the Bible studies, that can do the nursery. Two out of ten is... It's going to be good. This is their hope. This is their hope. Most of them don't even land here. I have all the stats. You can get George, George Barna's book, Growing True Disciples. He wrote the book on it as a statistician and almost couldn't even write the book because he couldn't find enough churches to even interview that were doing discipleship. But, but what he found out is that only about 10 to 20% even join. So you put somewhere in there, about 15% become leaders. The rest of them are just there for the show. And the tap dads and preachers are okay with that because this 80% pays the bills. So now let me just give you an example. Just if you just take on the low end, if I have 152 disciples right now in this church, out of a church of 250 with the kids and everything in two services, and we're playing by their model, just on the low number. But I know how many people have left with these people with the letter and all that. I get all this every single month, almost weekly now, because we get more attention, friends fighting friends, and somehow they think I'm going to be like whatever they left. Listen to me. If what you left was so awesome, why don't you just stay there, amen? This is what I'm doing here. Don't bring your mess over here. Say messy people cause messes. Now watch this right here. 
on the low end, if you just take this principle, a church of 3,000, a church of 3,000, according to, let's just say, 20%, will have around 600 disciples. Are you with me right here on the low end? I'm just giving you guys a high end here for the discipleship, but I'm just going to give you the low end. So a church for us, if we were a, a, a church like this, like these guys with 20%, 150 disciples, that means we would be somewhere right around, what, a, a thousand, uh, say, say, no, we would be right around 500. No, no, we would be 750. So let's say we'd be on the low end, 750 people, 75 of 750, 75 of 750 is 10 percent. 75 of 750 is 10 percent. Is everybody with me? I'm up here trying to do math, but it's a little bit hard. And then 20 percent of 750 is 150, right? Okay, good. So on the low end, we would be a church of 750. Now, I want you to understand. Let me just talk some math here with you as I get out my calculator. Let me just tell you what, what that means financially, okay? So if I allowed 20 percent of my church to do all the work for everybody and 80 percent to just hang on and come and get a Bible study to do whatever they want, look at what our budget would be. If we are a church right now, of 250, and we bring in a quarter million with 250, let's just times that by three, 250 times three, our budget right now would be $750,000. Are you listening to me? Are you checking my math? Make sure you check my math. Thank you. $750,000. That means right now, just everybody just get with me, just on a low end. I'm just on a low end right now. Right now, I could have $500 more thousand dollars if I would act like all these hucksters out here in this city, and y'all wouldn't even know the difference because I would still have 20% of y'all thinking you're doing it all and doing it right, while the 80% are just doing the thing because we let you come and get a free ride. I can make 500 more thousand dollars right now. What pastor's going to tell you they're going to turn that down? You see, I'm not stupid. I am self-aware. I know what this costs me. This is costing me right now $500,000. This is costing me right now on the low end 500 people. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I was playing this game, the law of multiplication would kick in. I would be up by 5,000 in a few years. No problem. No problem. This kind, I mean, not this kind of preaching, but, you know, the good kind of preaching you all like. You know what I'm saying? You know, when I preach kind of happy as I'm going to do in a little bit and worship music, we're all clapping and some of our outreaches. For these two to sit here and wherever Nahum is at, for us to have the three that we have here, it's costing me a half a million dollars. And 500 people pumping up my ego, giving me four more buildings so I can plant these churches. But somebody say the devil's a liar. Go to John chapter 6, verse 66. Now, if you go to another church and your church is doing good, praise God. Thanks for visiting us. I'm not here to put your church down. This is just house business right here. But I want to show this to you. Go into all the world and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Somebody say everything he's commanded us. My job as a pastor is to teach you everything he has commanded you. If that means I have to go verse by verse through the Bible, I must do that. If we will have systems of discipleship, what we call a 101, which is done one-on-one, -on -one, we will do that. If we need to have a 201 class that lasts a year, and some people will go through this process for five years, others will go through it in a year. If I have to do that to get you everything, I'm going to do that because that's what Jesus Christ commanded. Do you understand that? 
But when Jesus talked about this, look at John 6.66. Easy way to remember is 666. From this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now, let me put up on a list here the reasons why people leave this church. Because they love their sin. No, I, I don't. Most people that come here don't even leave living out some gross sin. That's not the number one reason why I leave, have people leave this church. And that's the same thing here with what Jesus is talking about. They weren't selling prostitutes on the corner. They were not doing drugs. They were not raping people. These people who left, left for one reason. They loved their life more than Jesus, more than the cross. They wanted their Cubs to be in the World Series more than they wanted their church to fill up the Wrigley Field Stadium. I just watched a video yesterday of WrestleMania. Don't ask me how I got there because then you may judge me. But I was watching some WrestleMania, and I saw this thing. This thing was filled with 70,000 people watching make-believe. What They know it's fake, and they're watching this 70,000 people. And Jesus told us to make disciples of the nations. What are we doing? Our pastors who sell the most books can't even say abortion is a sin. We have 70,000 filling stadiums to watch shirtless men in tights body slam each other and pit balls with bats, and then we wonder why our church is sick and dying. We have no influence. We have no cultural change. They can say they're of us while they have adulterous sex and affairs. These movie stars, these, these uh, rappers or whoever you want to talk about or politicians can literally say they're Christians and be no more Christ-like than the devil himself because our pastors play these games with them. I'm not playing the game. I could give a rip who is here next week. All I want is disciples to be here next week. I don't care if it's just five of y'all because now watch. Somebody say make it plain. Because watch, watch. Uh, Berto, give me a count of who's in this room right now, please. Somebody say 100,000. Salvador, you were at the first service March 2005. Did I not say we were going to do this? Amen. Okay, watch this right here. 100,000. You would think a church that has people coming and going all the time is a high turnover church. We have an 80% retention rate. Why? Because we're lifers here. I sat down with a, a Lauren and her family yesterday going through cancer. Everybody sitting down there has been there over 10 years. Most of my friends can't even keep their staff for five years. Their leadership keeps changing and changing and changing. I work for a Bible college right now, and they just did their fourth overhaul in the last 10 years. Entire wipeout of the entire staff. Most churches, you know, only have a few of the same people there. Most pastors only stay in a church five years. Are you listening to me? I've got people here that have been here over 10 years because we do this right. They understand what we're talking about. Now, if you're not a part of this church, go get a part of that church and go do discipleship. I don't know what God told your pastor to do. There's 9 million people in this city, and he told us to get 100,000. So you may, you may not be ours. That's awesome. There, there's, there's, if there's 9 million people left in the city, since I'm doing math, there's 8.9 million for the churches here to take care of. Amen? 
Can I hear an amen? I don't think I'm the only one. I haven't said anything kooky. I'm not here to put down any other church. I, I'm just here to tell you I have a problem with a backslidden church. But there's good churches. Maybe there's another church starting right over here. I don't even, that's none of my business. That's not my concern. Are you listening to me? Now, some of your friends and family might think you joined a cult, but all you did was join a church. Are you listening? You just joined a church that actually said we're going to make disciples. Now, go to Luke chapter 9, verse 16. I'm just going to show you math. Berto, where's that number at, please? Right here. How many? 77. That's a good number. Here we go. Oh, watch this right here. This is so simple. And by the way, this was before Plexus said you could get a Lexus. This was before Amway. This was before all of this. This is where they got this from, okay? I'm going to show you the simplest thing math has ever shown you in church. Can I show it to you? This is why I'm trading a half a million dollars right now. I want you to understand. This is why I'm trading 500 right now or 5,000 if I would be good at tap dancing. This is why I'm trading it all right now. Are you all with me? Right now, Joe Lostein has probably around 30,000. They say 30 to 40,000. These 30 to, 30 to 40,000 people on, on the average of our discipleship numbers, let's say he's got 40. Let's say he's got his 20% in discipleship, which I doubt he even has 8,000. So out of his 40,000, he probably has 8,000 disciples. We have 46. Are you listening to me? Sounds silly. It's like, Pastor, come on, lighten up a little bit. If you just let people choose A or B, and let's say A, I didn't show you guys what A was, but A was what we're doing. You know, It's like one way. This is the way we're going to do it. So people go, you know what? Forget all that, Pastor. Just give them the option. Let them be in the 80%. Let them chill here in that 80%, and y'all just get your 20%. Because, look, you can keep growing and growing and growing and growing. You can get your 100,000 here. And then, look at that, you can have your 20,000 disciples. So you see, Joe, it still works out good. You'll have 100,000, you'll have the 20,000 disciples, and then the 80,000 you have here that are just chilling, man, they're going to blow up that budget, and then you could do all these good things with the money. You can do missions, you can do, uh, you know, uh, homeless support. I mean, look at all this. And so somebody may look at me, just even right now, let's say a smaller church, they say, Joe, we're running 1,000. We're running a thousand. Joe, you come come on over here and do it like us. Joe, do do our books how we do it. Joe, we're running a thousand. And look, we got 200 disciples. We got more than you, and we got this 800 that we pull in from to do everything else. You don't think pastors talk like this? You haven't met enough of them. They're gonna say this to me. What do you want me to say back to them? Well, that makes sense. Well, let's do it like that then. As long as I don't offend this 800, as long as I read their letters and just understand, gosh darn it, they've been saved for so long, and they just want to help out with the kids in the back, and I shouldn't ask them to show themselves to be approved. I shouldn't ask them to be studied in any way because, man, it's just the church, and in the church, anything goes. As long as you show up with a volunteer badge, you might as well do something. I talked to one of my friends. Well, he was just an acquaintance. We were fishing. Uh, he ended up telling me he was an atheist, literally, while we're fishing, while he's cussing, and then he says he's going to church that night. And then I said, how in the world are you going to church as an atheist? He said, they let me volunteer and do the sound, and I love sound. But you see, my friends, what they're going to say is, see, we're helping him. We're letting him be a part of the church. We're not putting that pressure on him. We're letting that guy play in the band. Look how talented he is. We're letting that singer sing. We're letting all, the, look, 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 we have a bigger workforce than you, pastor. We have more workers than you, and we have more disciples than you. This is what I say. Luke chapters 9, verse 60. 
Jesus said to them, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the gospel of God. A man said, let me go first. Let me go first do this another way. Let me go first go bury my dead father. Then, Jesus, I will come follow you. And Jesus said, let me tell you something right now. I come before your father's funeral. You drop what you're doing now and come here, or you're just as dead as your dad inside that casket. See, this is not a plan A and a plan B. Listen, every, I want eyes right here. I love you enough to tell you this. You don't want to do this. Don't come back next week. I don't have nothing for you. Go get my tapes or tapes. Go listen to me online. Get all that. This is what we do here. No plan A or plan B. It's plan A. Amen? Now, if you think I'm a cult, then Jesus was a cult. That's what Jesus said. If you think this is wrong, then you tell me what right is. I have listened to these guys tell me about this and how this is supposed to work. This still has a congregation that thinks abortion is okay. This is supporting same-sex marriage. This is hiding racists inside their congregation. This is allowing people to be corrupt on their jobs and in their companies and letting them get a free pass because they come to church every week and volunteer with the nursery. That stops here. So now everybody say he's self-aware. I understand this may not happen in my lifetime. So one of two things will happen. This will happen. Everybody will clap and go, well, praise God. God spoke to him. Or number two, you will watch me die trying. That's it. You will say, this dude actually took the Bible serious. Go study church history. Go study whatever one you want to study. I'll bring up now my, my, some of my favorites. Study the revivals of Argentina. Study the revivals in Brazil. Study the revivals that are happening even right now in Bogota, Colombia, of a church of over 450,000 doing discipleship. For my African-American friends, study early Pentecostal history with William Seymour in Azusa Street, the Apostolic Commission. For the gringos here, study the, the Methodists, John Wesley, and how they were known for being methodical in their movement. And if you didn't want what they were doing, you could stay with the Church of England, but they were going to change the world. They became known as the circuit-riding preachers because they would preach multiple churches and one day riding their horses. And some of them came to this city and helped establish the university and the town itself. Are you listening to me? So you can study African-American history, Latino history. You can study white history, Asian history. Wherever you come from, India right now has a church of over 100,000 building disciples right now. Hyderabad, India. I just saw them preaching over there. This is happening around the world. We will not do it Joel Osteen's way. Joel Osteen needs to repent and tell all these people to become disciples. He needs to tell them, let the dead bury the dead. He needs to look them in the eyes as I'm telling you these things right now. Live for God, keep his commands, and go be a disciple that makes other disciples. Can I hear an amen? Whoever believes it's up to you. Now watch this. Because the good part is coming. All the smiles for the pictures are coming. Watch, 77 of you guys are here right now. You say, Pastor, I'm going to do this. I will be a disciple that makes a disciple. Next year, we have 154 of you here. Not attendees. Not people who get scared with preaching like this. Not people who just want me to tell you, you can make it again. 154 of you say, I want to know what Jesus commanded and then do it. So that means I'm actually going to go to the 101. Once again, this is how we do it here. Somebody say how we do it here. If you find a better system over there, praise God. Remember, there's 9 million people in the city. We need to get to 100K. Where do we need to get to? 
I need to get to 100K. God got 9 million people in Chicago, right? So God's got to take care of the other 8.9. That's on God's play. I mean, all of this is on God's play. But God gave us a remedy for 100,000, right? God gave us a way for 100,000. Does everybody get this? What's bigger, 100,000 or 8.9 million? So that means God could say to the next pastor, I want you to have 8.9 million. I am not jealous. I just know God gave us a plan for 100,000. You want to see how the plan works? 77 of you sitting in this place, do the 101. How long does it take to do the 101? It takes seven lessons. You can do it in seven weeks. You can do it in seven months. You can do it in seven years because all we ask before you graduate is that you are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, wanting to be baptized and live for Jesus. Basics. Some of y'all been in it for three years and you're wondering why, you, you know, this thing ain't working for you. Something ain't right with you. And then other people tell me, I don't got time to do this. One guy, the guy who wrote the letter told me, well, I've been a part of a church for three years. They were backsliding all this and that. Now I found you. I love your preaching, all this and that. Now I don't got time to do this. I said, listen to me. You gave them three years? You gave them people three years and you can't even give us seven weeks when we're trying to establish a foundation in a backslidden nation when people in churches don't even know their gender or whether or not a baby in a womb decides to, uh, deserves to live. You can't even give us seven weeks to test your testimony? Get out of here, man. I ain't got time for that. That is pride. You talk to Jesus on Judgment Day with that. I'm not going to be responsible for you and that attitude. Now, he can come back and know that I love you. Come back anytime. I haven't got nothing to get. Door swings both ways. Amen? Can hit you where the good Lord splits you, or it can come right back. We'll greet you with right hand of fellowship. I'm just here to tell you, I ain't getting it. It's like, get out of here. It's like, get out of here. I ain't got time for that. You ain't making no sense. You've been in a Babylonian system this whole time. Now you mad that we woke and ask you to show us you woke. It's like, my goodness, man, you've been working for Pharaoh, doing all of that for 400 years, Israelites. Now God asks you to fast a couple meals and trust him to bring the man, and y'all going to freak out and want to go back to bondage. Are you with me? This ain't my fault. I'm a 40-year-old man. I wasn't here when they messed it all up. I got saved from drugs and alcohol. Somebody discipled me. I want to disciple you. That's the calling. I don't got anything else to do in this church but to see lives change. Like I said, there's 8.9 million left in the city. Maybe there's 100 on the south side doing this. Or, you know, they're calling it whatever. Reach up, reach in, reach out. You know, reach one to teach one to reach one. I don't care how they call. Just do it. Get it done. So boom, 144, 154 come back next year, right? Then those 154, they say, man, these people loved me. It changed my life. How many know Jesus changes lives? Praise God. And now the next year, we have 308. How many know where I'm going? How many have had this happen over a lunch when somebody tried to get you to sell Lex a plexus for them? Now listen, you can become a millionaire too. All you got to do is go get 12 more just like you, and you could go ahead and do this. You get 612. Oh, wow. See, watch this. One year, two year, three year, four year. 
See, it still seems slow, doesn't it? It still seems like, boy, these guys are so much smarter than all of us, doesn't it? These, these people who know how to tap dance and get everybody to come and buy their books, they're so much smarter than old stupid Joe over here who actually believes Jesus wants to make disciples instead of consumers and church attendees that want their thing right away on their way to hell. Oh, no, Joe's just so foolish, isn't he? Well, look at him. Well, finally, now Joe got to 1,000. Look at Joe's church. And I just hate when people say Joe's church. You know what I'm saying? Because it ain't my church. It's Jesus. Jesus' church. Are you all listening? But you know what? Old, old Pastor Joe, he finally made He's 50 years old now. He made it to 2,000. Well, you're, you're cool, Pastor Joe. But you see, we don't stop. We don't die. We multiply. Come on, somebody. 4,896, just seven years from now. I'm 47 years old. I'm still loving Jesus. How many are going to love Jesus uh, seven years from now? See, now we get then to the eighth year. It's 9,792. Going to get to the ninth year here. How many know this number is going to blow up here pretty soon? Now it's 19,000. Now they're asking us to come talk on The View. And this is the problem now. See, when I come on The View, it's real simple. Is abortion sin? Yes, it is. Is homosexuality sin? Yeah. What's your next question? What happens to sinners? They go to hell. Well, what's the confusion? Well, what did Jesus do? Well, guess what, Joy Bar? Guess what? He, he died for sinners. He died for sinners like you. He died for sinners like me. We repent and we ask Jesus into our heart and we get to go to heaven. Anything else you all want to talk about? Any other problems you want to talk about? Well, what about racism? Racism is hatred of your fellow man. You do it, you go to hell. The Bible says the love of God's not in you. What other question you want to talk about? You understand? It's so simple. You want to solve the problems of violence? You get parents to start teaching their children the things of God. You have parents make disciples. You have children stop having sex outside of marriage, raising other children. You get the pastors in the community to start caring about the community, teaching families, and families teach children, and children act different. That's why in the 1950s, we didn't have a gang and drug problem in any one of our neighborhoods, except maybe in the Italian neighborhood. Maybe there's some mafias around there, but you get what I'm saying. The family unit was stronger. Our grandparents understood respect. Are you listening? 19,584. Now, we go to our 10th year. So what? 10 years from now. Now watch this, please. Watch this, please. 39,168. Just watch this right here. Y'all say you want to live for Jesus. How many want to live for Jesus, whether I see you next week or not? I just want to know how many of y'all want to live for Jesus. Okay, so that means, Lord willing, should the he tarry, you're going to live for Jesus 10 years from now, right? So, so that means 10 years from now, you're going to be in some church doing something for God, right? That means you're going to still believe the Bible, whether I'm ever here or not, whether I get taken home to be with the Lord in a car crash tonight, whatever, get shot up. That pastor didn't think he was dying that day or, or his family members, whatever. You never know. You're going to ready, just be ready to meet Jesus, right? So watch. My question is, 10 years from now, do you want to be able to say, I made 10 disciples, one a year, one a year, and have contributed to 39,000, or do you want a tap-dancing preacher to keep preaching to you? You're going to make it. God's on your side. Here's another Bible study. Drop $10 in the offering. Let's come and do this, this, and this. Do you want to, 10 years from now, have made 10 disciples? How many disciples did Jesus make? 12, and they changed the world, right? Sounds like he knew what he was doing, okay? Would you want to be able to say, man, 10 years have gone by, and God, thank you, every year, you have sent a disciple into my life. I've taught them your ways and sent them out to do the same. 
because I was made a disciple. And this year, I was part of that number. And then all these other years, I was making disciples. See, that's the choice that you and I have. That's the choice that I have. By year 11, we're at 78,336. By year 12, from right now till then, 156,672. That means right now, it is 2017 plus 12 years. By 2029, we can have reached over 100,000 disciples. I haven't even talked to the second service yet. What y'all want to do for the next 12 years? I watched my parents go to church week after week after week. I watched my parents serve the Lord faithfully for 40 years. And it wasn't until they got woke, until around uh, 15 years ago, it happened at the same time that I was going to Bible college. They raised me in such a way to honor the Lord and all that, that they said, we're, we're, just, we're just tired of it. it. They didn't even want to go to church anymore. They just, we're tired. Of it. It's the same thing. Every week we come in there, they preach, they sing a song, we volunteer to do something. It, what are we doing to impact our neighborhood? What are we doing to pour ourselves out? When do we get to speak into other people's lives? When do we get to do the stuff, laying on of hands, praying for the sick, casting out of devils? And so at that time, they started doing evangelism, and my dad started doing discipleship. Now, of course, every now and then, one of the 20 churches they were a part of would have something like that, but it would always start and then stop, and, and then people would call it membership instead of discipleship. You know, shake the preacher's hand, go to three classes, get three lunches, and then now you're a leader. Boop. My dad's been on boards. He's been an elder, all of that. And he's just like, but this wasn't that. It's not the book of Acts. It's not disciples making disciples. It's not us living holy. It's not us doing the thing. It's really us putting on a show. And so my parents started making disciples and doing the work of the ministry. My dad went back to Bible college as a successful businessman, got ordained, became a pastor. And now as he has retired in Ocala, Florida, he said he refired. He started Ocala for Jesus. And he's winning souls and making disciples right now as we speak. Because the question is, if we all love Jesus, you're going to be doing something the next 12 years, whether you're here or somewhere else. Why not give your life to what Jesus commanded? So let's just say this before we go, and I know I've been a little bit late. If you 77 are here right now, and you're saying, I don't want to do it Metro Praise International's way, then tell me, or one of our leaders, because please don't send a letter to me. You know I ain't got time for that. Just tell one of our leaders on the way out, please tell our leaders on the way out which way you are going to do. I'm just curious, which way? Are you going to do it? Because that command still remains. Just put it up quickly, please. Matthew 20, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 still remains. To go into all the world and make disciples. You know what I've had people tell me? They've told me, well, Pastor, you guys do disciples. We do plays. Pastor, your church is good at that. I think your church is good at that. Our church is good at, like, doing community stuff. And I'm like, you don't think we do community stuff? The question is not whether or not we do a hundred other things for Jesus. 156,000 disciples, we can start 10 YMCAs in this city. Are you listening to me? I'll, I'll, we'll, put, <clears throat> we'll give every Catholic campus a run for its money. We'll give good, Goodwill YMCA a run for its money. How many think 156,000 disciples can make a difference in a city? I'm not talking 156,000 people cheering for WrestleMania. I'm not talking about them now changing their cheer for a pastor. I'm talking about 156,000 people that can go to a Jehovah Witness, put a smack down on them in 30 seconds and say, now repent. 
because we know more than you. I'm not intimidated by a Jehovah Witness, a Muslim selling bean pies. I'm not intimidated by a false religion. I'm not intimidated by a boss who wants to tell me about the gender equality movement. I know my Bible. I know what it says. I believe it. Signs and wonders. Follow my preaching. Put up Mark chapter 16, verse 12, please. This is what I do. This is what Jesus said, and we will change this city this way. This is how we do it. We want 50 campuses in this city. That means there's going to be about half on the south side. We're going to bring revival to the south side. Are you listening to me? We're going to bring revival. Then I already got African-American people coming. Some of them will be in a second serve. They told me we're driving almost 30 minutes to be here because we are tired of what we are seeing in the church. We are tired of it. We're done with it. And I'm telling you right now, I'm done with it too. And I'm not saying I'm the only one. There's great pastors. We're working with one on the west side. I'm not here to judge other pastors. I'm just here to tell you, if we're putting 50 churches in the city, about 25 are going to be on the south side. You, you, you guys got that? So we're going to impact the south side of this city. I've tried to go out there multiple times, and God says it's not time yet. But just, get, just give me a mic in the south side. Come on, somebody. You say, well, they won't like it there. I'll start with their kids. I'll start with one. I'll start just with one. Are you listening? After Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while he was walking on the country, uh, go to, um, let's just skip all the way ahead because this is where Jesus meets and talks with them. Go to verse uh, 18, please. Look at what it says. After the Lord Jesus, no, go back, whatever verse this was, I think it's verse, uh, go back one more. After the Lord Jesus had spoke to them, look at this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Now go all the way down to verse 20, please. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that accompanied it. Will you grab this for me, Chris? Do we want to go and preach the word of God with signs following? Is that what you want to do? I want you to ask yourself that question. Everybody look up at me, please. Ask yourself that question. You got 12 years to do something for Jesus, right? We all got 12 years to go and do something for Jesus. The question is now, what do we do with those 12 years? When I was growing up, we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Here's what you do at Metro Praise. You go to church Sunday. You do discipleship one-on-one. -on -one, you pick a life group. There's your three opportunities. Some of you can do your 101 on a Sunday before or after church. You can do it before or after your life group. Come to church, get discipled, go to a life group. Life group is all that community goody good stuff. Amen? So don't anybody tell me we don't do community stuff. Some people always try to peg us. They say, all these guys do is evangelism. No. All these guys do is discipleship. No. And then they hear about our 13 life groups. All they do is stuff in the community. I've literally heard each people try to peg us. No, we connect, mentor, send. We do the life groups. We do the discipleship. We do the evangelism. It is one rotating wheel for us. Would you put up our vision for us, please? I, as your pastor, made a sacrifice for this. It's up to you now what sacrifice you make. I preach on this stage for this. I turn down preaching opportunities for this. Don't feel sorry for me. Literally, do not feel sorry for me because these, these are my things I give for Jesus, right? But here's the deal. What do you want to do? What I want to do for the next 12 years is this. What blows my mind is that when I get the letters and stuff, people don't understand. This was what we announced to them 10 times before the letter came. What about this? Did you not understand the day you came? This was on the board the day you came. You know how I know it was on the board? Is because I was here the first day, and I've been here today, and it's never not been on the board every single day. Let me just tell you a testimony between you and I, just for, for the Lord's sake. 
I've been saved now for 22 years. November 5th made 22 years of salvation. I've never not been in church on a Sunday in 22 years. No, just, I'm just saying, God has kept me healthy. I don't know. I get sick on different days. And then some days I come here sick, and y'all probably get sick because of me. No, I'm just kidding, half kid. But I'm just saying, this to me is what I've done before I was a pastor, and this is what I will do until Jesus comes back. And all we have said is literally what these three who are being ordained in this service, what we're saying is, if they did it, you can do it. That's literally all we're saying. I am not saying, everybody look up at me in closing, please, the first closing. This is not something I am saying you cannot do or you need to give more to do it. Some of y'all just give it to the wrong thing. You're giving your time to other things. Stop putting your face in Facebook and put your face in his book. Boom, now you got time to read the Bible. Isn't that just something? I don't have time to read the Bible. Shut off your phone and watch how much time you have to read the Bible. I don't have time to do one-on-one discipleship. Let me look at your life and see how much time you're spending with another person one-on-one wasting your life. I don't have time to do a life group. Let me see how many things you're doing with your life in a group somewhere else. Hello? So now watch. All Juan has to do as a deacon of the Lord, and we're going to get to that scripture now because you might got to do three things. Preach the first thing, now the ordination thing, and then the last thing, okay? Now watch this. All he has to do is just love Jesus with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love his neighbor as himself, which would include his wife and children and all of his family and his work and all that he does. And then guess what? Be a disciple that makes disciples. Jesus said he could change the world through us. I'll ask you now, A or B. Did Jesus say he would change the world through us by making megastars out of his speakers and everybody would come to hear them speak? He would make his music so attractive that they win awards. The authors would be so awesome they would make movies out of their books and that's how the world would be won. Or did he say the world would be won by disciples making disciples? A or B? He said, make disciples, amen? Let's give it up for Jesus. Would you put up the scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We love you, and I love you so much to tell you that. Oh, I'm so excited now for this next part, amen? Now I get to smile with my bow tie on. You crazy, pastor. You just figured that out? I've been crazy for a while. Here, <clears throat> excuse me, here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer or an elder desires a noble task. Elders and deacons. Pastors are elders. Another form of calling us pastors is the biblical word of elder. But then guess what? There's also four other ministries. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about prophets, apostles, teachers, and evangelists. Guess what all of those guys and women and men are? Elders. Then the second level is deacons. Let's go down to verse 8, please. When he now gets to deacons, this is what he says. He says, in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. What does the word deacon mean? Literally means servant. If you were in the Old Testament, uh, 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 the time of the Bible, in the, uh, the writing of the New Testament, the Greek language, you would have called your waiter a deacon. When you go to a restaurant today, they are a deacon. They are helping you. They are serving you. Dekanos in the Greek are worthy of, are to be worthy of respect. Sincere, 
not indulging in much wine. Somebody say, some wine is okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, just not much wine. We'll just leave it there. Not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. Those who are being ordained today have showed that they are trustworthy. They are worthy of respect. It's not a one-man show. That means if something happens to me, literally Juan could grab this mic in 30 seconds and finish the rest of today's service in his own personality, with his own giftings. He can do that. And if he wants to be an elder one day, he could do that as well. But when you follow the pattern of Acts chapter 6, when they did the first deaconship, ordained them, they were also great preachers as well. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. That's why we do discipleship, because we don't know what anybody's holding on to anymore. Maybe 20 years ago, you could come, to here, come here with a letter from your pastor, but now I don't even know if your pastor's holding on to the deep truths. So to save time, we just say, come, and if it's retraining, just get retrained and join our family and see how we do it. If you've never done it this way, then praise God, you get to hear the deep truths of the Christian faith, amen? It's literally a church giving away to you teaching and counseling. No charge for our conferences. No charge for our teachings. None of it. Even the books are free. The only reason why we charge the books is because I have to pay to get them printed, but the books are even free for you on, in PDF, and then I put them on Kindle because they have a baseline, the cheapest I can can make it on Kindle is 99 cents. If I could make it for a penny on Kindle, I'd make it for a penny on Kindle. Are you listening? And we sell about 150 a, a, a month, about 13 to 1500 a year. Are you listening? And we give it away by the hundreds overseas. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. Now, how do we test people in the 21st century? Jesus tested them by living with them. Okay, so somebody goes, I'm going to stomp out of here and find another way. Okay, what's your way? To go live on a commune? Well, that sounds good. I'll try it with you. But we can't go live on a commune with Jesus. How are we going to test you now? We use the most high tech that they do in Bible college. The same technology I used online, they use online. They go through there. They recite their scriptures. They have to put them in there word for word or it says retake it. They answer the questions of accountability. Have I read my Bible this week? Have I prayed this week? Have I shared my faith with somebody? Is this legalism? Is this legalism? Am I the next version of the person telling the women not to cut their hair, don't wear makeup, and look like you've sucked on a prune? Does it look like that's the kind of church we're trying to develop here? Tattoos are wrong and earrings are wrong and you're listening to rock and roll, you're going to hell. Is that what we're doing here? No. What we're saying is read your Bible, check do that for a few weeks so we can test you to see if you're doing it because we're not living with you like Jesus did on the side of a mountain with his disciples. Have you prayed this week? Prayed. Have you shared your faith with somebody like out of the 168 hours you were up this week? Did you ever let Jesus come off your lips and share it with somebody? Check. And then they answer the questions at the end of the lesson, which after I wrote the book, I said, Tell me what, le what level of learning my book is written at. It's about 150,000 words. You know what level my book is written at? A sixth grade level. We have people, literally Nahum has learned English while going through our English books here. So a person who had to actually learn English to be a, you know, a citizen and all these things did it while using our books. Sixth grade level learning. Are you listening? First must be tested. And if there is nothing against them, that means we don't have anything against them. They can serve and do great things for God. Let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women, come on, somebody say the women. 
We believe in the women in the ministry are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Do you understand now why after 30 years my parents got sick of it and said we're staying home on Sunday? How many are tired of gossip in the church? How many are tired of false judgment in the church? How many are tired of no discipline in the church? From the pastor to the pew, just everybody does what they want and they pretend to get, to get along for a week. You see, what I'm saying is you can go do that for another 12 years. We're going to go do this for 12 years. That's why we're going to keep it right here, okay? <clears throat> Trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and household well. How many think your house should be in order? They should live for Jesus, amen? Those who have served well. Now look at the blessing these, these folks get as well as everyone else who does this. They, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So am I just trying to do this plexus thing so I can get a Lexus? No. I'm doing this for their sake because the Bible says when they're pouring out, when they're doing Bible studies, when they are serving, they're getting stronger in their faith. They're having an excellent standing before the Lord. They're being more assured of the things they believe in, and their faith is getting stronger. My faith grows as a leader. And then he says, although I come to see, I want to come to see you soon, I hope to do this, I'm writing you these instructions that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Somebody say God's house. Is this the way... 20% of people should conduct themselves in God's house. This is the way how many people should conduct themselves this way. How many? All people. Do I let one of my kids go crazy in my house or do I keep them all in order? Should we keep the whole church in order or just say 80% of you, dude, really, I don't care what you do. 80% of you, y'all just do whatever you want. Just drop some money in the bucket and be there when I need a volunteer. The 20% Pareto principle. Just look it up. Pareto principle of leadership. If I just got at least two out of ten of y'all to keep, keep it real, man, we can do this. Is that what I'm supposed to do as a pastor? No, I'm supposed to say, guys, this is how we all conduct ourselves in the household of God. I don't know. Let me just say this. Maybe a tear will come down my eye. Okay? I don't know how you grew up in a home with a father. A lot of this kind of preaching turns off people, especially who did not grow up with fathers in the home, okay? But I am a good father. What you heard here was a father's heart. What you heard was the same kind of heart that my father looked at me when I was 18. He said, if you don't want to live by these rules, there's the door. That was the greatest thing they ever did on my 18th birthday was give me some gas money, the keys, and said goodbye. That was the best thing. I was on my own at 18 because they said, you will not do drugs here. You will not cuss here. You will not listen to that music here. This is your choice. Stay here. Enjoy the blessings of this house. It's all yours. Everything is yours here. Or this is what you get and goodbye. And I became the prodigal son that day. I love you. I love that person who wrote that letter. I'll meet with them right now. They can come to second service. I'll, I'll shake their hand. I'll talk to them. I'll share with them every story. I, matter of fact, when they came after they wrote the letter, I talked to them for almost 20 minutes, telling them every story I possibly could to convince them what we are doing is what we believe is the best possible thing. And if you want to go venture out there into the wilderness of finding a church again, that's up to you. But please trust us. We, fit, we heard from God here, right? So the thing I want to ask you is how are we going to have a house? If we don't have order. So he said, let's do it this way, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. The church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. We have gotten into a lot of discussions here on politics. We may disagree on some of the things of politics. I totally get that. Y'all understand me? I understand. We got differences here. Y'all know I know that. 
But how many know we should agree on abortion? How many know we should agree on hating racism and that? How many, how many believe we should stand for the Genesis order of family, one man, one woman? How many believe that? How many know we can sort the other stuff out? Right? And how about this other stuff going on in our culture? Do, do we still believe in a heaven? Do we still believe in a hell? Do we? Yes, yes, yes. All the things I preach are the same things your grandparents believe. Not one thing is different. Matter of fact, you could line up everything Billy Graham preached when he went to Soldier Stadium and what I just preached to you right now, and it's exactly the same. The only thing different is our culture has changed drastically in 50 years. And the churches have sat back and just let it happen. Why? Because as long as you're coming, you're here, man. You're the atheist in the sound booth. You're the sleeping with two girls bass player. You're awesome. Thanks for coming. And no one stopped. I'm not saying no one, but a lot of people didn't stop and say, let's do this. So God had to start plucking people out. And he plucked me out of that while I was on the rise as an upcoming young single pastor preaching, filling up the church, people coming up to me going, you're the greatest pastor we ever know, all this stuff. And then God says, you quit this church and you start something different in your house because I'm going to do it a whole different way through you. Didn't say it was the only way, never spoke bad against that church. He just told me, you're coming out of this and this is where you're going, to your house. And the last time I preached, I preached to about 350 people. And the first time that I preached and Salvador was sitting there, I have the numbers, it was 13 people. But there was a difference now, one difference. Put up the vision, please. That vision was on the board. And I said, let's go. I'll preach, I'll sing. I used to do the guitar. And this is, let me tell you this right here. The very first person we had, we won her to the Lord. We were so excited. Very first person. She said, what does it take to be a leader? Now, you got to understand, I had practiced these things when I was a youth pastor working with other churches. So I had my whole system in place. I had it already. I had already written most of this stuff already out, right? And I said, here's the deal. You just come early, you stay late, and then you start meeting with Nancy one-on-one, -on -one, and you can help. Here was the big deal back then. This is the thing she really was excited to do because she saw Nancy do it. And it's like, I want to be cool like Nancy. You can then set up the coffee, put out all the chairs because we were renting a building, and that's what you can do. She's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. Only problem is I don't get off of work until this time, so I can't be here at this time, but I'll do all the rest. And I literally looked at her, and I go, that is so awesome. Now, our one disciple out of the 11, this was our one right here. I said, that is so awesome, but here's the deal. We have to be here at 5.30, and so I don't want you to be a leader yet until you can be here at 5.30. One disciple, we had been in church about three months, went from 300 to 11. Now I got our first one out of that 11 saying, I'm going to do this. Took Jessica and Salvador a little while. Come on, somebody. But they did it. You know I love you guys, but watch. One, one. This is what she says. Well, I ain't going to do it then. I go, no, 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 you can do it. You just got to do it this way. No, I'm not going to do it then. She got up and walked out of the church. This was day one with our first disciple. The standard not only just tell, told her, like, well, I'll wait and I'll do it later. No, she literally said, like, I'm leaving the church over this. Like, forget that you've led me to the Lord. Forget that you've just spent your whole entire life. Like, all the attention I gave 300 people, I gave her. Forget all that we did for her. It was, 
I don't want it this way. I'm out of here. It was no different than if she went to Weber Grill and the steak sucked and she just said, I'm just, go, I'm just going over here to Longhorn. Forget you guys. And at that moment, the revelation just came in. People don't want discipleship. They want consumerism. Day one. So I go through the thing. Jessica and Salvador start doing it finally. The other people start doing it. Three years. Somebody say three years. Three years. More like two years. Let's say two years. Let's go closer to two years. Two years later, I get four people that graduate the 101. They finally graduate. They're done. But here's the deal. One of them is Adam, our worship leader, and his three friends. And Adam will tell you. Adam, wave your hand. Don't be shy now. And then I tell them, this is what 201 is. This is what 201 is. You're going to come early. You're going to stay late. That's what you've been doing with 101. Good. Got it. But now you're going to take this book, and you're going to do the work, and now I'm going to give you the tests, and we're going to make sure you're okay. All four of them in this back room looked at me and said, it's too much. Don't want to do it. I had spent nights finishing my 201 book, that 150,000-word book, and the first class that I had for when I said, here's what we're going to do, they said, we quit. I had to wait for the third year for the people to graduate. Three years as a pastor who was preaching to hundreds to wait for people to accomplish what it would have only taken. How long did it take you guys, Juan? Just how long? One year. Would have taken her one year? You were in it for two years? A little bit more. Three years? You were on a three-year track? I say four years. No, I'm kidding. Sometimes it takes longer. It took me three years to graduate the first people. Now we have 46 we're graduating five today. We're getting to 51. 51. But we're believing God for 100,000. Can we give it up for Jesus? This means, this means there's no Ephesians message today, I guess. Let's get it on. Where's our person? Are you ready? You ready to get it on? Okay. Nahum Adila Serrano. Come on. Nahum to share with you what it means to be a deacon in this ministry and what God has done in his life. Go ahead and share uh, Nahum. Hola a todos, Dios les bendiga. Sé que voy a hablar en español, pero para aquellos que entienden, venir a Metro, yo primeramente mi nombre no hay Nahum Serrano. Vengo de una, soy de Honduras. Vengo de una familia cristiana. Hola, Dios les bendiga a todos. God bless you, everyone. Mi nombre es Nahum Serrano. My name is, um, my name is Nahum Serrano. También soy de Honduras. I am from Honduras. Uh, fui creado en una familia cristiana por parte de mi mamá. I was raised by a Christian family from my mom. Uh, después, a los 19 años, decidí venirme para Estados Unidos. When I was 19 years old, I decided to come to America. Uh, no venía con la intención de seguir a Cristo. I wasn't thinking by that time to follow Jesus Christ. Sino con la intención de cumplir el sueño, el famoso sueño americano. I came um, to... Um, 
accomplish the American dream. Pero al llegar aquí me choqué con algo mejor. But when I came here I found something so much better than I thought. Choqué con la cruz de Cristo. I found the, the, the cross of Jesus Christ. Eso cambió toda mi vida. That changed completely my life. Mi forma de pensar. The way I thought. Mi forma de ver la vida. The way to see the life. Recordé que todo lo que mi mamá me había enseñado. It came to mind everything that I, my mom taught me. Acerca del Evangelio de Cristo. About the, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y cuando choqué con ese Evangelio. And when I um, found the gospel. Como dice el apóstol Pablo. As the apostle Pablo says. Todo lo del mundo es basura. All about the world is garbage. Por amor a Cristo. For the love of Jesus. Y venir a Metro. I came to Metro. Estaba estudiando en un instituto bíblico en español. I was studying in the Bible study in Spanish. Uh, en ese momento había pasado por algunos problemas en otra iglesia. During that time I had some issues in another church. Y en ese momento no tenía iglesia. And during that time I didn't have a church. Pero conocí una persona ahí en ese instituto que me estaba dando, que me lo conocí por primera vez en una clase. But I met the person there who was teaching me. Y él me habló de Metro Praise. And he was the one who mentioned MPI. Es el Pastor Saldana, ustedes Pastor ya lo conocen. Right. Él me habló de Metro que estaba viniendo a una iglesia. He told me about the MPI that he was coming here. Pero me dijo, no te puedo llevar porque ahí es en inglés. But he told me I can take you there because that is an English speaking Spanish, uh, church. Y así seguimos hablando. Then y, we keep talking about. Pero yo me recuerdo una vez le dije, yo quiero ir. But I remember once I told him, I would like to go. Y él me dijo, vamos, yo te voy a traducir. And he says, okay, let's go. I want to translate you from English to Spanish. Entonces vine por primera vez a Metro. And then I came for uh, the first time at MPI. Pastor Joe estaba predicando un mensaje sobre el arrepentimiento. Pastor Joe was preaching about repentance that day. Tengo grabado ese mensaje en mi mente. I still have that message in mind. Y desde ese día, that day, yo le dije al Pastor Joe Saldana, I told Pastor Saldana, yo quiero seguir yendo a esa iglesia. I want to keep no sé lo que Dios tiene preparado. Pero yo quiero seguir yendo. Y así fue como Dios empezó a trabajar más en mí. Hasta tener todo el mundo por basura y seguir a Cristo. No te puedo hablar mucho de mí. I cannot talk too much about me. Pero sí mucho de la fidelidad de Dios. But a lot about his, the faithfulness of God. Aunque nosotros fuéramos infieles. Even when we are not faithful. Él permanece fiel. He is faithful. Él es fiel en todo momento. He is faithful. Y Dios no solo me regaló un discipulado, un amor por Cristo aquí en Metro. And God not just gave me a discipleship sino que también me regaló una hermosa novia But a Stephanie. Me, um, also. Así que Dios es fiel. 
y Él cumple sus promesas Él no puede negarse a sí mismo Él es fiel Amén Well, let's call up now Juan Elise Riasco. Beautiful wife, Yolanda Riasco. I'm just very thankful um, to start this new journey with God. Um, and I just, I'm so thankful he gave me the opportunity to live a second life. And not just a second life, but I remember all the opportunities he gave me beforehand, um, dealing with my depression and just um, everything that happens in life. I'm just so um, at awe at all the things that he's done. And I just want to encourage anyone going through depression or loneliness. Um, two years ago in February, it was my most impactful suicide attempt. And four, year, four months later, I met my husband. And nine months later, after that suicide attempt, we got married. And ten, 10 months after that, I completed my first semester at UIC after transferring, and ever since then, I've been getting straight A's, so God is faithful, and um, if you're going through that loneliness or depression, do not let the devil take a foothold in your life. You are not you are not that. That is not a part of you. That is not who you are. God has wonderful things planned for your life, and if I'm a testimony, testimony you can be too, so I'm just thankful for this uh, new journey, and thankful for all the people. Um, all the leaders at this church, and I'm so thankful to be a part of this church that lays a, a great foundation for us to continue being leaders and to grow the church and make more disciples. Thank you, Jesus. So it took me a little bit longer than it was, uh, I think, the, the book is supposed to take, but that was all my fault. And and I want to tell people and encourage people that the, um, the only thing that changed was my heart. Uh, God loved me this the whole way through. Uh, he 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 he. Uh, my my uh, my salvation and and all those things was was ready for me. It's just I wasn't willing to give God my heart. And uh, and as soon as I did that is when real transformation came. I gave God my my lonely places. I gave God my my time before going to bed. I gave God my morning. And when I when I gave Him every little thing about me, He was willing to. Um, that's when I really saw transformation, and that's when I, when I finally uh, knew I was ready to graduate. Is when when I gave God my everything. So God's love and God's peace was always there for me, but it was just my willingness to submit, and I praise God for that. So, so I thank God. I, I pray everyone here submits to the Lord, and don't just go through the motions. Submit. Give Him everything. Give Him your morning. Give Him your night. Give Him your workplace, and He'll change you. Hallelujah. Would you guys please stand in front of us on the, um, the st uh, bottom step there? Yeah, thank you. 
and then turn and face us. We're going to give them a standing ovation in just a moment, but would you guys turn and face me and all the elders and deacons who are here now, would you come around them? We're going to pray for you and believe God for awesome things. It's the God in you that says you can do all things, and there is nothing impossible to when you believe. Your testimony of overcoming depression will be what you impart to people one-on-one now. When we look at the disciples that Juan is going to make, he was very humble in his testimony. He's also a very successful businessman, owns his own company, multiple companies. God's going to use you to raise up other entrepreneurs. And Nahum, God's going to give you that fuego for the the people that you want to reach. And God's going to bless your marriage as well one day with Stephanie. So we want to pray as elders and deacons over each one of them right now. Lord, we ask you to bless them in the name of Jesus. Pour out your spirit upon them. Use them to be disciples, God, in their own lives with their family, on their jobs. And may they make disciples, God, teaching people to obey everything you've commanded. May you be with them always until the very end of the age. May they represent, God, your ancient ways, your holy ways, O God. May they impact a generation. May they be a part of the answer to what God is is in our society today, whether it be depression or racism or suicide, God, or any of these things, God, loneliness, God, may they bring your gospel of hope and peace. May they now multiply, God, flourish as your first disciples did, as Peter flourished, as James and John reached the world around them, Thomas and the great women of the Bible, the Marys of the Bible, Mary Magdalene, O oh God, and, and Phoebe and Dorcas, O oh God. May, may God today, Yolanda, be like these mighty women of old, God, like Deborah, Lord, a prophet to the, the army of Israel. In your name we pray and ask this to be done. Appoint them and anoint them now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. As they turn and face you, would you give them a standing ovation today? Come on, let's bless the Lord for them. Let's put on some party music. We're going to dismiss now and let you come and greet them. I'll preach on Ephesians next week. Thank you for your patience today. Thank you for coming. If you need prayer, ask them to pray with you because there are new prayer workers too. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. See you at Life Groups.